Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Welcome to this episode of Money Talks. We have the beautiful Lauren Chante. I love that Chante with us. She is a weight loss strategist, and we're going to hear her money story, you know, because all of us entrepreneurs have a money story to share. And I always love how, you know, you're working towards six, seven, maybe even eight figures. And there's always these hiccups in the road and it happens with all of us. So thank you, Lauren, so much for joining us, for sharing your time in this space with us. So tell us, when you think about your earliest childhood memory, the very first time you held money in your hands, tell us all about that. What was that like? How did it make you feel? This is kind of funny, but my earliest memory is actually putting it in my mouth. I was a toddler and I found a penny on the ground and I put it in my mouth. I remember walking around and like letting it roll around in my mouth and that metallic feeling. And I swallowed it. And I remember getting in so much trouble with my mom for swallowing this penny. It was like a parent's worst nightmare. So that's my earliest memory of money, but not the one associated with like what money actually is. Right. Mm. And for me growing up in my family, my mom was a single mom. Uh, She did not want my dad around because he was a drug addict. So she refused to use any sort of like child support, um, welfare, anything that would involve having to put in his social security number and bring him back into the picture. So we were broke and it was a very odd combination of financial circumstances. Cause even though my mom and I had no money, we lived in a house with my grandparents and my grandfather ultimately ended up accruing quite a fortune. He was very, very good with money. And so I had this really weird pull in life between a lot of money tension on my mom's side and then a lot of money abundance on my grandparents' side. So I was always kind of watching this back and forth and this give and take. And for me, I definitely internalized the the more stressful emotions around money. Uh, We would often go to the grocery store and this was back in the eighties when you could still pay for groceries with a check. Right. And my mom knew that if she got cash back on the check, she would have about 72 hours to come up with the money before the check would, would bounce in the bank. And I knew exactly what the cycle was. I was trained to, you know, keep my mouth shut at the register and not say anything stupid. And that was really my earliest experience with money. And it's just all of these games around how we were going to make it work, but always knowing that we would have my grandparents to fall back on ultimately if my mom couldn't come up with the money. But I watched for her what a journey of shame this was. Like if she wasn't able to come up with the money, having to go to her dad and explain why she couldn't do it and just go through that whole conversation and then ultimately having to ask for for assistance. Yeah, I I still remember that my mom doing the same and I remember we'd moved just moved back from California and we were at the grocery store and 
she would write the check over, you know, however much, whatever the maximum amount of cash was back Mm -hmm. and she'd use it to, you know, get gas for the car. And if we needed some, you know, paper products or whatever, whatever it was that she was doing with it. And then her panicking, um, but she was an entrepreneur as well. She was a cosmetologist. So she worked on tips. Mm -hmm. So we always went shopping on a Friday because she knew the weekend was the buffer Mm -hmm. and she would make really good tips on Saturday to cover that. Um, but still there was this sense of panic, like oh, I'm borrowing from Peter to pay Paul and what's going to happen. And, yes. you know, and what if the money gets stolen and and there was all this stress and anxiety around it. So did you end up adapting this sort of money management system that your mom taught you? I don't know that I would call it a system that she had. <laughs> it was definitely a system. <laughs> There's a strategy behind that. It actually was very strategic, wasn't it? Um, I don't know that I ended up adopting it. I actually grew up to be very responsible with money, almost too responsible because I was so afraid of finding myself in the same position that my mom had been in. And that really prevented me for many years from like living and feeling safe on a day-to-day basis. I always kind of carried this really very subtle underlying tension at all times that was really related to money management and just feeling like, at any given time, the financial rug could be pulled out from underneath me, even when it was irrational to feel so, right? And then when I ultimately had a family and, you know, became the manager of our family's money, definitely like spreadsheets with hundreds of rows, knowing exactly where every penny was going, exactly how much our shampoo costs, exactly how much diapers cost. And it's taken me a while to loosen up on that and step away from that. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of people will use spreadsheets and there's so many apps out there where you can track your finances. And I have not found one that I absolutely love um, just because of the way the system I use in the money management system is very unique and it's custom to how we like to roll. But I have money buckets and then I use the um, the keynote sheets mm-hmm. to track it and, and to do the money multiplier system. And I absolutely love it. So I share that with my clients and say, you know, this isn't the only way you can do it, but I have a client that I'm thinking in particular that has these spreadsheets and this was taught by one of her parents and it's all these different columns. And I was a treasurer for a union for years and years and for the Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts for my division in my hometown. And we had a very simple method. I mean, we use QuickBooks, right? And QuickBooks is very um, tedious. If you make a mistake, it's very unforgiving and you have to do all this balancing. So it takes a little bit more time. But what it is, is like when you make a budget, it has to zero and then you have to project your budget. So this is how much money we're going to have come in in the year you know, 2021. Um, and this is how much money we project to go out. And then you'd have to stay within those things. And, I, and this one particular client I have does that. They project what their income is, what the estimated is to go out. And then when they actually get the numbers and I thought, wow, that's very detail oriented to do that. I go, how does it make you feel to do it? And she's like, it's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. So did you come up with a simpler method to manage your money rather than these Google doc sheets or the details and tracking everything down to the stick of gum? (laughs) You know, really what it really comes to right now is my system is making a ton more money. That's really what it is because we, you know, we've got three kids, lived on one income for many, many years while I mostly stayed home with the kids as I've built up to being an entrepreneur. And ultimately I realized that for me to feel safe around money, I need to be able to make a lot of money. And it's interesting because it's like, 
it's a chicken or an egg thing, right? It's like a vicious cycle. You need to feel safe around money to make money, but then you feel like you need to make money to be safe, right? So that's sort of where I am right now is navigating that relationship with money as I step into the next level of being an entrepreneur and having my biggest financial year ever and all that stuff. Um, I'm constantly refining that relationship. Yeah. And it is. A lot of people will think it's just a, you know, a one and done. Like, oh, I'm going to implement this system and I'm going to follow this and then I'm going to have lots and lots of money. And it's really not about that because we all know that it doesn't matter how much you make, it's what you do with it. Right. And I've known... I know people who are six, seven, eight figures who don't have a penny to their name because they're taking all of their money and they're investing it back into their business. Um, you know, when you you said that you manage all the money in the household, do you and your husband sit down and talk about how your money is going to be allocated and what's going to go? Or is it kind of like we're going to live off of your paycheck and my paycheck is extra and we're going to, you know, do A, B, and C with it? Yeah, it's interesting because we're an active duty military family. So we move every three years. So we do sit down every time we move and we hash out our expenses for the next place we're living because every time we move, the expenses are different. So for example, we moved from California to Long Island. We sat down and we did our spreadsheet of like how much housing is going to cost us here, what our target range is, what we're going to spend on the kids' sports, like all these things, making sure that we have the margin left over of savings that we're comfortable with to put away and do, we do some like real estate investment and some other things. So we plan all that out, right? And then you Usually what happens is we move to, an, to this new place and it all goes to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> all these things that you don't realize about living in a new place. So like, for example, here in the island, there's a really strange summer camp culture where for me to send my three kids to summer camp for all eight weeks, if I wanted to work, would cost me about $17,000 for the summer. It's about $1,300 a week. And most people send their kids away to sleepaway camp for like eight weeks of summer. It's like, I've never seen anywhere else in the country like this. And we weren't expecting that coming in. Right. So then we have to sit down and we have to deal with this sort of um, damage control of all the things that we couldn't anticipate when we went in. And so that's one of the things that has made me really love entrepreneurship is that I always have the opportunity to bring more money in for our family because there's only so much planning with our lifestyle that we can actually do. Military life just throws you curveballs and we have to be able to adapt to that. Yeah. I'm really feel very familiar with the military life. When I worked at social security administration, that was, you know, a lot of the military guys would come in and yeah, moving anyone that moves, you start all over again in the moving yeah. expenses and all, all of that. And getting used to like your surroundings, but you even think like we moved to Florida a year ago almost. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's a really inexpensive state to move to. Well, no, the not anymore. I have a million people moved to Florida in the last 12 months. Yes. And, uh, the, the insurance is outrageous. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you compare the insurance, any type of insurance, in Florida to New York, for example, you know, New York will get you on taxes, but Florida will get you on insurance. So it all evens out. And yeah, since the pandemic, the cost of living has skyrocketed and it's just beyond anything, but adjusting to those needs. And, you know, one of the things, um, you know, that financial coaches always say is, well, you know, you have to live within your means. And I, I just, every time I hear that, it's like, no, you have to enjoy your money. If you're not having fun with finances, it becomes a chore. And I had a conversation with a, a beautiful entrepreneur yesterday, and we were talking about the reciprocal energy of giving and receiving with money, you know, and the, the difference between 
a nine to fiver. Like, you know, this one lady, she's an entrepreneur, but she's still doing her nine to five, wants to transition out, but hasn't hit her consistent. You know, the goal is to hit 10,000 months consistently for six months to be able to put in the leave, the note, the, the, um, to resign from the job. And the fear is when you're exchanging time for money, you're guaranteed to get that paycheck bi-weekly, weekly, whatever you're getting paid. What you show up for work, you're getting paid. Even if you sit there and you're on your phone all day long, you're still getting paid. And with entrepreneurship, you know, you're like Gary the Gambler. He's one of my seven money personalities. You're taking a risk and you're like, I might not get paid. And oh, what am I going to do if I don't get paid? And that could either put you in fight or fight or flight mode, right? You're either going to take the IPAs, you're going to do the action, or you're going to sit back and, oh my goodness, how, what am I going to do? How, where's this money going to come from? You know, and then the thoughts go, well, maybe I'll go get a server's job and I can get some tips coming in, or, you know, or maybe I should, you know, do, do something, right? Right. So that the minds, that's where that, that kind of roller coaster comes in, right? So true. So when you think about the, the every three years, that's a lot to move. It's a lot. Um, yeah, that is a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> I about it. It's a lot, especially when you have children and they're getting older and um, even little things like financially, my, my kids have both chosen sports in the last two years that ended up being the most expensive possible sports they could have chosen. Right. So like, we didn't expect that. My daughter is a gymnast. She trains at a center where the head coach used to co- coach the Russian Olympic team. Um, my son decided to play hockey, which is also, so now we're spending like $20,000 a year just on sports. So it's like couple that in with the moving. It's like, wow, this is, this is a, this is creating those, those money feels, right? Like those money stories from childhood start to come up again. And you just really have to work hard to keep it all in check. Yeah. And thinking about the money, like moms especially are so quick to support their children in their activities and to mm-hmm. pass over this money. Like, oh, okay, this is how much it costs. No worries. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out and how to make this happen. But then when it comes to themselves, they don't really invest in themselves. Do you find that true for you? I think it used to be, it used to be true for me, but as you know, because I think we've both invested in similar programs before, it's not the case for me anymore. I think at this point I've invested about $35,000 in myself in terms of my own coaching, but in the beginning, it definitely was challenging. I would say though, that the seeing the financial, I don't want to say obligation because that's not the right word, but the financial commitment of having children I knew that I had two choices. I knew that I could continue to have a very scarce relationship with money and and just nickel and dime and sacrifice myself in order to do everything for my kids and sacrifice the health of my marriage and date nights and not get babysitters and not go on trips together for the health of my kids, or that I could have an abundant relationship, not just with money, but with myself, right? To know that I am always capable of generating money. I am a person who's capable of manifesting it. I have great ideas for products. I'm really good at doing marketing. I'm really good at showing up online. And I'm just in general, a person who is capable of making large amounts of money, right? So that that aspect of motherhood that could have turned into a scarcity opportunity actually turned into something that caused me to step out of my shell more and to make bigger goals and do bigger investments and and to take bigger risks because my husband does work a nine to five. He's tied into the military pay scale. Like there's no picking up extra shifts for him. Like he's not going to become a pizza delivery guy or like, or, or, you know, go wait tables and get tips. It's actually just not something he's able to do as part of the military lifestyle. And so I knew that I had an opportunity here, but that opportunity also fed my soul because I love doing all of those things. I love, mm-hmm. being I love what I do as a weight loss strategist. Yeah. 
And the confidence that you allude around money, even though you say you and money are frenemies, which I love, <laughs> you know, because everyone thinks as a wealth activator, they're like, oh, your relationship with money must be so perfect. I was on a podcast the other day and I'm like, yeah, no, we've had a lot of fights, just like any relationship. You know, you think about your partner, you know, you guys go through periods of fighting and arguing and silent treatment and all those things. And of course, there's a love and and, and the connections. That's the same thing it is with money. Like when you imagine money as a person, mm. you're going to have the ups and downs because there's just some, some days, you know, even, even millionaires who hold on so tightly to money, all these old patterns come up. And that's one of the things we work on in wealth activation is the mindset around money, reprogramming yeah. our subconscious so that we don't fall back on these patterns that we've learned that are carried on from generation to generation. So I love that you have that, like, I'm a go-getter. I'm an action taker. I'm going to do mm -hmm. this. We're going to multiply money regardless of what it takes. Mm -hmm. And that's what you really need to do. And a lot of people will come up with stories that they tell themselves why I can't do this, you mm -hmm. know, and then they'll try to offer all these different, you know, um, products or services to try to get that fast buck when it's just like, no money wants to be loved on money wants to be crushed on and adored. And it, it mm -hmm. wants to be, it wants to feel safe. And if it does, it's going to come to you and it's going to say, okay, this is your zone of genius. This is how you're going to make lots of money. Stick to it. And when you hit your 100K, your, you know, whatever it is, your, you know, for months or years or whatever it is your goal is, that's when it's going to start to come when you implement that consistent, persistent strategy. And it's all that thought, you know, that thought, feeling, action steps that you have to take. So tell us about the, I love your title, the weight management strategist. This totally intrigues me. Um, so tell us more about your business. Yeah. So weight loss strategy is really different from traditional diet and exercising. I actually stand pretty against traditional dieting. I was in the fitness industry for a good five years before I had my oldest child. I was a celebrity personal trainer. I've coached pro athletes. I've got a master's degree in exercise science. So basically one of the top qualified people in my field. And when I had my oldest child, I really struggled to lose weight. And it was really shocking to me because I was supposed to be an expert on weight loss already. I'd had all this amazing career experience was really smart. And no matter what I did, I could not stick to a diet. I would try everything. And by two or three o'clock, I would be elbows deep in the refrigerator, eating everything in sight. And it made me feel really crappy about myself. I was like, wow, I'm a fraud. Who am I to be doing what I do? And the fitness industry, I'm not actually disciplined. I have no motivation. I'm lazy. Something about me is wrong. Right. And it ultimately brought me down a really dark road where one day I ended up going into the other room while my son was playing and shoving my fingers down my throat and making myself throw up after a binge. And in that moment, I really could have thought that it was me still, right? Because that self-talk had kind of been going in my head. But instead, when I went into the other room again, and I kind of had that fuzzy trauma brain after having that horrible experience... I realized it wasn't me. There was something to understand about weight loss, women's bodies, even motherhood that had not been made plain to me. And so I went on this path of really understanding how we can have weight loss without essentially going crazy. And so I took everything that I learned and I turned it into weight loss strategy because the truth is there's no one size fits all approach. A lot of people like to come out and say, this is the best diet. This is the best workout program. This is how you should eat. This is how you should exercise. And the truth is everyone is so different that what we really need to be focusing on is asking better questions. What questions can we ask in order to design a weight loss plan for ourselves that gives us the best chance of succeeding physiologically, 
psychologically and also just with common sense with how our lives work. So that's what I teach people now. Oh, I love that. That's so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. When you and you're going to show us a demonstration yeah. of your talent, your gifts. What, show us what you got. All right. A surprise for you. I've got my pyramid here. I call this the weight loss or the wellness pyramid. And this one principle can really change your perception of how weight loss or wellness, if you don't have a weight loss goal, you can use it interchangeably with this of how it works. So basically when you want to lose weight and you go on Google and you're like, how do I lose weight? You'll see like a billion different options come up. You'll see a bunch of meal plans on Pinterest and all these different things. Right. And I want you to think of these levels of the pyramid and to kind of categorize everything that you see. Level one, I'm going to talk about in a second. Most things that you find are level two and level three. So this is just like any pyramid or skill where you should be progressing from the most basic to the most challenging skill set, right? Like if you're a gymnast, you're not going to learn back handsprings before you learn how to do handstands and cartwheels. It's the same type of thing with wellness and weight loss. So usually most of the things you find are level two or level three. So an example of a level two might be something like doing paleo, whole 30, um, even like a lot of the network marketing programs. Level three is going to be something even more challenging, like um, sport-specific nutrition, maybe people who are doing bodybuilding and bikini competitions who are following really strict meal plans, uh, marathon preparation, any of those types of things are going to be level three. So when you go online or you even when you go to hire a coach or a personal trainer, almost everything you're doing is level two and level three. So the more advanced levels of learning how to eat. What happens, though, is the moment that people stop that meal plan, they stop the bikini or bodybuilding prep or they stop doing Whole30 or Paleo, they revert to their level one but they've never actually done anything to make sure that their foundation was really strong. Level one is learning how to eat when you're not on a diet. And that is what I teach people as a weight loss strategist. And the really important part about level one is that these are our habits that we have without even thinking about them. So when you go into the kitchen and you open the refrigerator and you just reach your hands in and grab something, that's your level one habits coming out. When you go to the grocery store and you fill your cart with exactly the same things that you bought last week, because you're one of those people where like you buy the same thing every single week, that is your level one habits. So if we have not really settled our level one so that it serves us automatically with almost no mental energy, it's very hard to have long-term success at level two and level three. So as a weight loss strategist, I teach people how they can reset their innate eating patterns without doing the overwhelming diets, which are level two and level three, so that they can really have long-term change for the rest of their lives. That's beautiful. I've never, you know, I'm in all the years I've been in the industry, um, part of it, um, you know, even I was a health and fitness coach way back when I started online in August of 20, um, using different products to help people, um, lose weight and exercise and things like that. I've never heard it explained that way. And it's, it makes so much sense and it's so simple and easy. So I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, And what's the best way for our audience to get in to connect with you? Yeah, I would love it if you guys joined my Facebook group. If you're on Facebook, you can type in the weight loss support group for action taking Wonder Women. That's my group. Awesome. We'll put that link in the show notes. And to part with our audience, what are some words of wisdom you can share? Oh, should it be around money or about anything? Anything you'd like. Oh, money's always good. I mean, money is the, you know, the source of everything, right? Yeah. (laughs) Whatever Um, comes to mind. Believe in yourself. 
Because it all starts with that, whether it's weight loss or whether it's money, it all starts in believing that you can become the person who's capable of achieving the result you want. Yes. Love it. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Lauren, for sharing your expertise, your money story and you know how it's evolved and just your drive, like your energy is so awesome and, and contagious. I really love that. Oh, and for yeah. you listening to the show, whether you're on YouTube or the podcast, give us some love, give us a five-star rating, share this with everyone you know. And if you're looking to hire a wealth strategist or a weight management strategist, did I say that right? Weight um, loss strategist, it's all good. Weight loss strategist. You know, weight and wealth are very similar, right? Like you think about the more wealth you have, the more weight you have, right? The less weight you have in your mind, but the more weight in your pocketbook. (laughs) Financially fit. We're all about financial fitness here. So if you'd like to connect with Lauren, check the show notes for the link, get into her world and see if it's a good fit. Hop on a call with her. And like I said, be sure to share this with your friends, your family who would like to learn more about weight loss strategy. And if you know somebody who wants to multiply their money, connect them to idatemoney.com. Take a, go through the money dating game. It's the best game you're going to play where you're going to meet one of seven personalities. You're going to meet all of them, but you get to choose a partner and we hope you get the partner you want. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it. for tuning into the show. Give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. Be the next millionaire with a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system. You get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it.